Hello and welcome to Under the Skin from Luminary. This week I spoke with the lovely writer John Higgs. He's a journalist, a cultural historian. He's written extensively about William Blake, who we chat about all the time, and countercultural figures like Alan Moore and Timothy Leary. His book, William Blake vs. the World and the Future Starts Here, Adventures in the 21st Century, are just two examples of his work. You should really read his stuff. I'm reading it. I love it. Now that Under the Skin is available on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review there. It helps us and we'll read them out. If you'd like to listen to the rest of this podcast and all my weekly Under the Skin podcast all you have to do is subscribe to luminary on apple podcast or download the luminary app also i've got a meditation podcast called above the noise which is out now anyway in this conversation we talk about the nodal perspective i came up with that phrase didn't i jane i don't think so yes i did <laughs> we talk about adam <laughs> curtis we talk about um we talk about how growing up in front of a tv made people passive it's a good point he makes and like sort of smartphone generation might be sort of more active and interactive what did you think about that point i know it was good he's talking about tiktok people feeling more connected so they think that being isolated is actually quite tragic rather than cool Although I felt that it, they are, will still be subject to the yeah. consumerist forces that the TV generation was subject to anyway. So do you, tell us what you think. Have a listen to it. Trying to achieve equality with the annihilation of category is not no, a successful that, route. Yes, that's, that's, that's exactly right. We're in this era where it turns out we were never the boss. It doesn't look like an ideology. What's beneath the surface of people we admire, of the ideas that define our time, the history we are told? Welcome to Russell Brand Under the Skin. For example, in the, the Blake book, I talk a lot about this Swedish mystic, Emanuel Swedenborg, who was a little bit before Blake and who had a perfectly sane, rational, uh, successful life for the first 50 years. And then his basically his imagination came for him and it started in dreams and it started uh, overwhelming him. And then he was visiting heaven and visiting hell and writing these books about um, it. And people formed a religion after him. They formed a new church and uh, and all these sort of things. And then at the same time, I just read a thing a couple of days ago about teenagers on TikTok uh, and that the practice of what they call sliding. Do you know about this? Reality sliding. Um, it's, it's, it's nuts. Um, they're all teaching each other on TikTok these techniques to enter, as they say, alternative realities. And there's like the Alice in Wonderland technique and uh, the Raven technique and uh, uh, and a lot sort of involved sort of, I don't know, counting down from 100 and getting into a sleeping sort of state, in which case they then feel that their imagination becomes so found and real that they're in other worlds and they script the encounters of where they want to go beforehand. They write these scripts. Um, and they're doing exactly what Sweden, what was happening to Swedenborg for larks as teenagers. But they're using it mainly to sort of go to Hogwarts to get off with Draco Malfoy. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, wait, what's it's I, partly it's that teenage girl thing about, you know, sociopathic public school boys. <laughs> Surely we should be beyond that at this point. That still seems to be sort of sticking around. Um but yeah, I, I don't. I don't. So you think this is a sort of secular mysticism in a sense, like that takes place, you know, evidently in this case within the accepted framework of the imaginative kingdom of J.K. Rowling, because that's as sort of archetypally powerful as anything else out there. And 
you know, a lot of commentators would say, you know, the, the, the mere com commercial success of those books and those films means that there is a, there's undoubtedly a potency in there. For me, like what I think about when you say that is it like, you know, like respiratory techniques and breath work and altered states. Now, like, so I feel like Robert Anton Wilson's into that stuff. And obviously, I know that's Tim, Timothy Leary's game and Blake's all about that. And KLF seems like through a kind of a kind of a, like creativity and a sort of a commensurate with punditry of trying to create something jarring about the pop culture while participating in it like trying to put a charge through it and like see how it responds to that charge um and and and, and i feel like that the time is ripe for a new approach to the mystery the like given like well, I talked to Adam Curtis a lot who I figure you must be into and like you know Curtis sort of like says individual like people aren't going to be able to roll back individualism now like you know people that's how we define and understand ourselves and our role like this process of personal and sort of oddly cultural individuation is um you know beyond any kind of reversible tipping point and and like but you know, when you say this thing about models of reality, that this sort of applies in um, lots of ways, in like from a semantic perspective, of course, I'm sure from a sensory perspective, uh, but importantly, too, from a kind of a political perspective, that there are models of reality that is acceptable to live within and that there are certain boundaries that we don't breach. And figures like Robert Anton Wilson, it seemed to me that was it was interested in what what happens when you disrupt and alter, and of course you know Leary, blatantly, and like he's he's contemporary Ramdas alongside he will perhaps always be somewhat placed and in a, I don't know Moses Aaron way. Timothy Leary seemed more kind of dangerous to me, like and sort of doomed somehow, and like whereas sort of Ramdas did go the way of his guru in a sense became. In sort of enlightened and avuncular and gentle and you sort of followed the eastern trip of which there's a sort of uh an understood way of dealing with that so he was much easier for the culture to digest whereas leary had a much more sort of western scientific um uh take and he was trying to sort of download all these sort of ex expanded states of consciousness into into the world of psych science and psychology and things like that really that and youth culture, and that was that was what was, was shocking. So he was, you know, he was the most dangerous man in America, according to the Nixon government, and he was jailed and all those 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 strange sagas around him. Yeah, it's it's uh, it wasn't it certainly wasn't accepted. But to, to sort of tie this into what you were saying at the beginning of that question about um, Adam Curtis, um, who who is brilliant, very big fan of Adam Curtis, but he does have a very Lovecraftian worldview, which is the sense that you know the cosmos is you know giant and incomprehensible and possibly malevolent, and you're separate and you're this small and powerless thing at the mercy of, of this this um incomprehensible other and it it needs you to see yourself as separate from everything. And it's a very common worldview for those raised in the 20th century, especially those raised by in front of the television, sort of passively in front of the television, the sense that you're separate from everything else. The generation that are coming up now who are raised on their phones, who are raised online on networks and stuff, don't have that. 
they understand themselves to be valid parts of the whole. And that's a whole other, that's a whole other bag of fish. But it, it, it means that they have, they have responsibilities that older people don't really seem to have. It means there's a lot more anxiety and, and it's, it's harder and it's more difficult. But it's also true. They are valid parts of, of, of the whole. So that sort of shift uh, has been going on from that sort of Lovecraftian worldview of people raised by television to the sort of the post-individual sense of people understanding that, yes, they are individuals, but that individualism also includes the networks that they're part of, the relationships that they have with others. If they want to understand what they're capable of, uh, what they can do, they have to include those connections, those relationships, because the idea of a lone, isolated individual just isn't good enough anymore. It just doesn't explain. It doesn't describe how we are and who we are. So there's that sort of huge shift that's that's sort of going on at the moment. That's an important and interesting point, and I just want to don't want you to go beyond it just yet because I've not ha- actually considered that sort of um, nodal perspective. That cause well, I, a... I, I could recommend. The book. <laughs> I've got a book on all these things. Go on, what's the book on that one? There's a book about twentieth century called "Stranger Than We Can Imagine." Oh yeah, is that? Did you get that off McKenna? That phrase, or no? It came from. Um, it's. It really comes from um, a phrase uh, queerer than we can think, um, but it was being misattributed. It's one of those. It's one of those phrases that has many fathers, basically. Mm. Uh, but that's about the twentieth century and the rise of individualism and, and the way we stop seeing ourselves in, in a hierarchical way and. and uh, uh, and, and saw ourselves as individual, and that notion that you know, uh, we would look at Clint Eastwood as the man with no name, and you know we go, oh, he's so cool, Clint Eastwood, the man with no name. He's so isolated, he doesn't even need a name. That's cool. At that time in history, we thought that's so cool. Now. In the 21st century, we just got that's tragic, man. He was so isolated. He, do, he didn't need a name. There's been a real sort of shift. Curiously, also with actual Clint Eastwood, who has become so isolated that he will talk to a chair, for example. <laughs> <laughs> it, go, it, it's a, it goes nowhere. It's, it's, it, it's such a dead end, really. Pure individualism. But what's growing out of it, and I did a book called The Future Starts Here, which covers... A lot more about that, that change that's sort of that's sort of happening now. You're mentally ill. You keep writing. I bet you're constantly writing books all the time. I am constantly writing books. You need to spend a bit longer on your walk down to the pier. <laughs> but I like writing books all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all the time. Is it got to be all the time, John? Kind of a bit of time where you're looking at your cat or something. Is it always book? You know, you do your work in the day and then you play with the cat in the evening. John, can I offer this up? See that um, nodal reality, which is more participatory and potentially utopian, this sort of interactive TikTokery. My concern would be that the same, ultimately the same sort of interests are at work. Do you think it's possible that, that, that through this technology, inadvertently some Promethean power could have been unleashed back to the population? Or do you think that if beneath it are the same set of economic ideals and the same sort of centralised interest, that even though it might have a sort of a individual sort of psychic resonance that's slightly different from the more passive model that preceded it by a decade or two, the result will ultimately end up the same one of disempowerment? Or do you think it could 
could play out differently politically and lead to sort of different types of political expression, collectivism, for example, or re-engagement with mysticism. If you're enjoying this conversation, join me over at Luminary and Apple Podcasts for the rest of our discussion and for all the latest episodes of Under the Skin.